Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. And this week sponsors the Stapsky Foundation and the Lumina Foundation. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Governor Newsom and his administration turned up the throttle on school reopening this week. That's after being criticized for months by some parents and others about moving too cautiously to open up schools. Of course, it's being helped by dramatically declining COVID infection rates and a rapid rollout of vaccinations across the state. In fact, during the coming week, everyone 16 years and older will be eligible to get the vaccines. And most importantly, Lewis, from our perspective, he said he expects all schools and colleges, and specifically community colleges, will be open for in-person instruction after June 15th. That means both summer and fall? Well, that's right in theory, at least, although summer programs have their own set of challenges and staffing and, and other things. That's because they're coming up so soon? Is that what you mean? That's exactly right, plus willingness of uh, teachers to go back and actually participate in summer school. Well, Newsom said the changes assume vaccinations will continue at a quick rate, infection rates will continue to be under control, and people will wear masks, which will continue to be required. Those are big ifs, considering the rise of some really worrisome COVID variants that are spreading the virus more easily, and in at least one case, are in more infectious for children. Well, today we'll discuss how the governor's pronouncement will affect both K-12 and community colleges this fall. The systems obviously differ in who they serve, children versus adults, but both K-12 and community colleges are in the midst of planning, and the latest developments could change their approaches. And both school districts and community colleges are looking to Newsom to provide more details. Sound familiar, John? It does. Sounds like we've been hearing for much of the past year, Lewis. So to decipher what the change means for K-12 schools, we have with us Edgar Zazueta, Senior Director of Policy and Government Relations for the Association of California School Administrators. Welcome, Edgar. Hey, John. Always good talking to you. Thanks for having me. Edgar, how are districts reacting to Governor Newsom's declaration that schools should be back in, in full in-person instruction in the fall? The biggest takeaway was that the at least starting assumption is that the default mode of instruction should be five days of in-person instruction. And so with that said, still a lot of questions because they're trying to determine what's going to happen with distance learning. Are we going to be a light hybrids? But I think it did give at least some clarity, at least from where the governor is starting. Well, I guess it shows where we've been this year. I thought you'd say that their initial reaction was pure joy. <laughs> they were going back in the fall. Instead, it's let's wait and see what the fine print is before we get too far along. But isn't the timing right with districts starting to plan for fall? Isn't the governor signaling that districts shouldn't assume that there would be hybrid instruction? From an AXA perspective, I would agree with the assertion that right now, Given the change in the CDPH guidelines in terms of physical distancing, given what the governor is signaling of what the health situation is going to look like, it's we're advising our folks that they should be planning for full in-person instruction in the fall as the default. With that said, I think one of the conversations that the state is going to have, which frankly we think that distance learning should be part of the equation, maybe not so much hybrids. I don't know that a ton of people think that the hybrid approach ultimately, and especially in the long term, is the best approach. 
But really, again, that this full in person should be at least the default with with some parameters and some caveats for those that can't. Edgar, did people interpret what the governor said as kind of saying that he wanted them to be open? Or is this still something that's left up to the school districts? That was a little bit unclear. <laughs> was he saying, I want you to be open or, hey, this is still your decision, etc.? I think it really was the symbolic nature of it that we're saying that come June 15th, the health situation is going to be in a different place. And even if we look beyond June 15th, what are the assumptions we've been looking at? Because there's a lot of fear about the variants and where we're, where the state's going, because there has been a bit of an uptick. But that really goes to the language that the legislature will choose in the bill that accompanies the state budget in May and June. Where is clarification needed? Because for example, if counties require and districts negotiate that social distancing should be six feet instead of three feet, which is the recommended minimum, wouldn't that put them in hybrid in the fall? I don't know that clarification is needed on that end. Uh, uh, what we've been telling our folks, and it's our interpretation at AXA, is that the spacing requirement has changed. It used to be a minimum of four to six feet, which could be interpreted as a more firm requirement. The state changed not only the distance, I would argue the more significant change was going from a minimum of four to six feet to strongly recommend three feet. The bottom line is, and we're telling our districts this, from a legal standpoint, the justification to be spacing kids out six feet and then saying we need to stay in a hybrid because the state's telling us to space out to this degree isn't there anymore. It was there weeks ago. It's not there now, and it's not going to be there uh, unless something changes come the new academic year. What other obstacles are there that need to be clarified either in Cal-OSHA regulations or the return to school safety plan that districts have adopted or perhaps the MOUs that may stand in the way of full in-person instruction? The details are going to matter, right? You talked about Cal-OSHA and CDPH guidelines. It's important to note even if as of now, and this is we're speaking today, this could change in the next couple of months, even though the governor is uh, sunsetting the blueprint, the CDPH guidelines, the Cal OSHA guidelines are still in place. So one could argue, yes, some of that needs to be looked at as well as we're loosening everything else. If we still have really strict guidelines on these other aspects, it could present some challenges. Are districts telling you that maybe the governor's getting too far out ahead of COVID conditions with new strains that infect children more so than in the past? And are they worried that we may be headed towards another surge? Trying to generalize just a bit, I think our folks are encouraged by the news. One of the things that the field has been saying all along is that we need the health experts to give us direction. In this case, the health experts are saying that despite the fears about variants, despite the, you know, the small upticks that we've had in certain communities, based on all the projections and all the data that they have, they actually think the health situation is going to continue to improve. Edgar, as you've suggested, this is basically good news that we are actually thinking about the fall with all students being back in school. No way to predict where things will be in the fall, but at least we are moving in the right direction here, right? Absolutely. And I think credit should be given where credit is due that for all of the challenges and, you know, our organization and our field would be the first to maybe point to when the state has fallen short on some aspects. I think the state has done a great job about vaccinating educators, about getting vaccines to the vast population. And I think it shows by some of the health metrics, especially as we compare them to other states or Europe. Now we can only hope 
that the direction we're going is able to be sustained and that the planning that happens here this spring actually comes to fruition come August and September. Well, we won't hold you to it, but we'll see what happens. So we've been speaking with Edgar Zasueta of AXA, the Association of California School Administrators. Thanks for joining us today, Edgar. Sounds good, John. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, John, one of the odd things about the whole fall reopening debate is that community colleges are moving much more carefully, not only than K-12 schools, but other systems of higher education, in anticipating being open for in-person instruction in the fall. The CSU Chancellor, Joseph Castro, told us on this podcast in February that he hopes to have a majority of students back to class in the 23 campus system he oversees. But its Board of Governors meeting last month, Community College's Chancellor Eloy Ortiz Oakley was far more cautious, and he basically said he expects that the more typical pattern would be that the colleges would be able to offer more in-person classes than they are currently, but that most classes would probably still be offered via distance learning, particularly lecture classes. So after Governor Newsom's comments this week, we invited Chancellor Oakley to join us to find out whether his thinking about fall reopening has changed at all. Thanks for joining us today, Chancellor Oakley. Absolutely. It's good to be back with you, Lewis and John. Well, you heard what the governor said. He specifically called out community colleges and said he did expect them to be in full in-person instruction this fall. So um, what's your current thinking? We're very hopeful based on his latest media comments that things continue to move forward at a good pace in terms of the vaccine rolling out. And uh, as I mentioned at the Board of Governors meeting, there are two major keys to community colleges opening up. One is availability of the vaccine. So the sooner and the more widespread that we can get the vaccine to our faculty, to our staff, and hopefully to our students in the not too distant future, that certainly helps us open up sooner, faster, and more completely. The second thing is K-12 reopening. So many of our faculty, staff, and students have children in the K-12 system and have been caring for their children, taking care of them. There's been a lack of child care. So these are two very important pieces. So if those two pieces begin to really move forward in a real way across the entire state, then by fall, we would expect certainly to see some type of re-engagement with our community certainly having some of those critical student services open for business so that students can come on campus for labs, for career technical education programs. Where I remain a bit hesitant and want to be careful is that there will still be faculty and staff that for whatever reason, whether underlying health conditions or otherwise, still need time to reintegrate or still need to be working remotely. We also have some very large lecture classrooms I would not want to bring 100, 200 students back into a classroom right away in the fall. So those will still be offered in some sort of hybrid mode. So really, we're very hopeful, but we still have to be prepared and be cautious should we have another surge or should we have any problems with the vaccine rollout between now and fall. But if everyone is going to be vaccinated in the fall, and I think that's what we're projecting would be the case Why couldn't we have large lecture classes safely? Well, if if your prediction is indeed accurate that faculty, staff, and students are all vaccinated, then I do think it will be a different discussion. However, we're still waiting for Cal OSHA uh, requirements 
um, those will really um, dictate how we as a workplace open back up what precautions we need to take. We're still waiting for the governor's office guidance for higher education. As I said, I'm very hopeful here in California, but as we've seen throughout this pandemic, uh, we begin to open up and then we have to pull back. Uh, it's a lot easier to pull back on that caution than to put it in place after we completely open up. But just to clarify, I think we've talked to some community colleges, and in fact, we're going to be talking with the president of Palomar College after we talk with you. And I believe they are talking about the 70-30 split, 70% still distance learning, 30% in person. And I, we're hearing that from a number of colleges. So it's still talking about the majority of classes would still be distance learning. And I, I know that would come as a disappointment to some people. I think as we continue to move through the implementation of the vaccine, as we continue to see positive signs, you will see a greater and greater acceptance of in-person. If we continue to move forward, I would expect that the 70-30 would be 70% in-person, 30% some sort of hybrid online, which would make sense for fall. We have talked with some community colleges and they felt, well, they had to make a decision like now because students need to plan. Everybody needs to plan. And so better to say, okay, this is what's happening, rather than leave it sort of up in the air. The decisions that are being made on when and how to open are based on the needs of the students in the community. Part of that need is understanding for our students what fall is gonna look like, what their schedule is gonna look like, if they need to find childcare, if they're getting a job, what hours are they going to have to work? What flexibility is there going to be? So we're trying to provide as much certainty as possible. This has been a long year. This has been a long pandemic. And a lot of us, uh, and I don't blame our educators, being a little wary about what's going to happen in the next few months. Talking with Chancellor Elo Oakley from the California Community Colleges, one of the things I know so many of us and you are concerned about is the declining enrollments, fewer students showing up or coming back to quite a number of colleges, and also learning loss. Are you concerned that if the colleges don't open fully or more fully than is currently anticipated, that this will contribute to the problem? So the short answer is yes, we are definitely concerned. This pandemic has been very hard on our students. One of the keys to students coming back, particularly those students who left us, which predominantly are adult students, adult learners, workers, who have had to make some very difficult choices during this pandemic. The most important thing is the economy gets turned around and jobs open up again so that our working adults have the opportunity to earn a living again. That would definitely help those students being able to come back to community college. The second thing is, getting emergency aid to those students so that they can not have to make the difficult decisions about paying their rent or paying for their books to come to, to our colleges. And the third thing is opening up student services in our colleges, financial aid offices that students need to be able to engage in, that they just can't get the same level of service online or they don't have quality broadband so I think those three things are the most important that would help us reverse some of the enrollment declines. And then, of course, in-person instruction for many of our older working adults is critical because um, that's where they get the most out of their instruction. They want to be able to focus completely 
when they're engaged in instruction. And, and it's very difficult to do that when you've got a household full of family, of kids. You're balancing all sorts of different responsibilities. Sometimes when you're just in the classroom, you're much better able to focus. So all those things really make a big difference to those students. In terms of this declining enrollment, how optimistic are you that you'll be able to turn that around? And, and over what time period could you see that happening? We have two things going for us. One is we have, we've got a federal government that is finally focused on the needs of our students, on the needs of workers, on the needs of an economic recovery. So with the federal stimulus, with the discussions about an infrastructure package, those things will go a long way to helping re-engage with our students and helping our most vulnerable students have the means to go back to school. The second thing is the early emergency budget package that the governor proposed and the legislature passed. There are resources in that budget to help our colleges reach out to students who we lost, reach out to students who are struggling, get them back engaged, and then make sure that the emergency aid that was also provided by the state legislature gets to those students. So for those reasons, I'm very optimistic that we will be able to turn this around. I think by this time next year, assuming that we're not still chasing a, a, a virus, we will see a very different picture in terms of enrollment. Well, thank you so much. On that note, we've been talking with Chancellor Eloy Oakley from the California Community Colleges. Thanks for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Good to be with you, too. Let's turn to one of the 115 community colleges, Palomar Community Colleges in San Diego County, and its interim president, Jack Kahn, to hear why the college is currently still planning to be mostly in distance learning mode in the fall. Thanks for joining us today, President Kahn. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the invite. Well, just tell us a little bit about Palomar College. So Palomar College is in what we refer to as North County, San Diego. So we're about 35 miles or so north, uh, maybe an hour drive from San Diego proper, depending on the traffic. We serve anywhere between 25,000 and 30,000 students. So it's a pretty large community college. Looking to the fall, what are your current plans or projections in terms of bringing students back versus students continuing to study remotely? So for this semester, for example, we're mostly online, but we do have representation from our public safety programs and our workforce programs. So we have things like nursing, police, fire, automotive technology, wastewater technology, HVAC. We do have some of those programs face-to-face because as you can imagine, it's very difficult to teach welding online. One of the challenges, of course, as you know, is that we plan much in advance of when it actually happens because we have registration, we have pre-registration, we have to get the catalog ready. So we have to actually have the schedule in far before it actually happens. When would that be approximately? It's happening like in the next two weeks. So we actually this year for the first time changed summer and fall registration to be just about at the same time to help students so they could plan a little bit better. So they could think, you know, I'll take this in the summer and then I can take this in the fall. We looked at what is the maximum amount of instruction that we can provide both within the class and still abide by social distance guidelines and across classes so there'll be enough space in between classes to minimize people's interactions with each other. So by doing so, 
Our plan right now, as it looks, is about 25% of our classes are planned uh, to be face-to-face. Now, those classes include the public safety and those courses that we already mentioned. Uh, but in addition, our faculty and academic deans really prioritize classes that either were not offered last year, because we have some classes that were not offered at all during the pandemic, and classes that students need to complete their certificates or degrees. Wait, so you're saying 75% of classes would still be distance learning? I think that would come as a surprise to many people. I mean, many people are projecting that we will be fully vaccinated. I think what the difficulty is, is that while many are predicting the vaccines will win, many experts are not. I hope the proportions of vaccines continue to keep climbing so that works. But the truth is we don't really know. And the experts are not in agreement about what's happening. So what we're doing now is we're putting more into our schedule. So by being nimble and kind of watching things also, we probably will be looking to plan more optimistically. But then as we get closer and closer, if things continue to get better and better, we'll add even more to -to face-to-face to provide more options. So we're just trying to be careful. It's clear from the figures that distance learning has worked the least well for community college students. Uh, you Have you seen a decline in enrollments? Oh, yes, and I agree that having distance learning as a primary model does not work well for this population. Totally agree. And what kind of decline have you seen? We were about 12 to 15%, depending on what type of instruction. But it was it was the worst decline probably the institution has seen. Are you concerned if you aren't able to open more classes for in-person learning, that this could actually accelerate or deepen the the decline? Oh, of course. Well, of course. And I guess that's why we're really trying to take a measured approach to it. Uh, This last year, one of the things I'm quite proud of is that while we did suffer a major decline in enrollment, as most of the institutions did, we had no outbreaks at our institution. And that's partially because we took measured approaches, following data, following epidemiology, following the research. You heard what the governor said last week. He's he's expecting that all K-12 schools and specifically mentioned community colleges would be open for in-person instruction in the fall. So just explain, who makes the decision as to whether your students come back? Certainly there's different levels of influence. I don't believe at the moment the governor, although it could be incorrect, I don't think the governor can require us to have face-to-face instruction in a state that doesn't require vaccines during a worldwide pandemic. If our board certainly was unhappy with the proportion that we were serving our students, you know, we, we could, we've already presented you know, our plan to the board and we continue to update them every month. If they were concerned and said, you know, you had 25, now you're up to 40, that's not enough. Um, you need to go back and we go back. You know, I really wish there was a clear chain of command and a united federal and state plan for dealing with this virus, but there isn't. Um, And so all of us are kind of in the middle of it, doing the very best we can. I think our institution has done a fantastic job. I think we will continue to see increases in enrollment and continue to see safety at Palomar College. We've been talking with Jack Kahn, president of Palomar College. Thanks for speaking with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. That's great. And that wraps it up for this week's podcast. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra and Ed Source's own Justin Allen. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Thanks for listening. Stay well. We'll be back 
next week.